You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. I am having a very bad day. It's really tough to be able to give you this episode. I debated whether I should do one today or not. Legitimately debated it because I lost a lot of work. I'm sure many of us have been there before where we had a ton of work done and it just was open on our computer and we planned to edit it. We planned to do a couple of other, of other things before we decided to save it and eventually it just goes away. And usually there is new technology that just automatically saves it, whether you hit the file save button yourself or not. So that did not happen to me working with the particular software that I work with. I had an interview saved up for everybody. It was about Bowl Bowl. It was good. It was insightful on a guy that we need a lot more insight on because there's just not a huge sample size of watching Bowl Bowl play college basketball. I talked with Steve Mims of the Register Guard. He covers everything Oregon sports, does a good job. Talked a little bit about what he knew from Bowl Bowl heading out of high school. His Basically his one year, I guess his nine games that he played with Oregon basketball. The type of dude that he was on and off of the court. Some of the problems that he had with him. Some of the good things that he had with him. And it's all gone. Every single bit of it. Tried a million times. Screaming a couple of expletives. Maybe not screaming, but certainly saying a couple of expletives. Trying to get that interview back. And I couldn't do it. And I really debated on how to handle this show today. I had no clue. I didn't know whether I just cancel. Do I call Steve back and try to have him do this again? It's a guy all the way out in Oregon. You know, having to wake up a little bit earlier. Because he's three hours behind. I don't want him to do it again. I don't want to have to bother this guy and have him talk about Bowl Bowl. And I really was just going to ask the same questions. I liked it enough. I thought it was enough information that we could get on a guy that there's just not a whole lot of information we can have as much as far as watching him play competitive basketball. And I don't have it. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty frustrated. Like, I don't even know if I'm in the right mood to do a podcast. So I apologize if I'm in a bad mood because of this, but... Man, it, it sucks. Like, you guys understand. I'm, I'm sure there has been a lot of times where people have lost a lot of their work before. Like, it really hadn't happened to me a ton. I usually do a pretty good job of saving it and then going to edit it, but it happened to me today. Did something and got kicked out of the software that I was using. Got kicked out. Never happened to me before. See ya. Interview's gone. So I'm going to have to just kind of recall what Steve Mim said. I remember a lot of it. It's just, it would be nice for you guys to have the exact audio from Steve. So we're going to try to do that today. As I try to gather myself, we're going to try to attempt to remember exactly what he said. And it won't be verbatim. It won't be scripted. But we're going to try to remember as much as we possibly can. And maybe he can vouch for it. If anybody ask him later on, maybe he can vouch for it and let us know that, yeah, this is indeed. Walker does have it correct. This is exactly my evaluation of Bull Bull. So we will get to that here in just a little bit. We'll also talk about some of the workouts that the Hornets hosted, a couple of different players, including one guy that could be in consideration at 12 that we've been talking a lot about lately. We'll get to that as well, including a local product. A lot of that more to come. And just another thing I notice about James Borrego's philosophy, just the way that 
some of these guys set career highs in one certain aspect under James Borrego that a lot of them haven't done before under Steve Clifford. And I wonder how that might affect some of the prospects that could be in consideration at number 12 overall. So thank you again for joining me in what is going to be a bad start to the podcast, but hopefully we can get everything back on track. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. So let's talk a little bit about Bowl Bowl. And what Steve Mims had to say, I still do have at least the questions that I asked him so I can try to remember everything that he did discuss. Steve Mims of the Register Guard, I asked him, first off, the injury concerns are the biggest thing I think you have about Bowl Bowl as it stands right now. You can worry about the weight, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. But at first, the guy needs to be able to step out on the court. He had a season-ending injury that he had a, a broken bone in his foot and wasn't able to come back. Now, Steve did say that he was making progress, that he think at the end of the season in the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament, Bull Bull was able to get out of his walking boot at that point. Now, I think it's going to be still a couple of weeks before he's going to be a full go, but it was him getting out of his walking boot at least at the end of the regular season and in the beginning of some of the postseason play remember Oregon did make it to the sweet 16 you wonder how he would have performed in that March Madness if he was able to get back out there and so under data Altman maybe they could have gone a little bit further but Oregon a team that really did get hurt by his absence in the regular season doesn't even make the NCAA tournament if they don't win the Pac-12 tournament so he was at least getting better at the end of the regular season you hope he continues to get better. It looks like he was, so maybe you can put the injury concerns to the side, at least for a moment. It is a little bit concerning about him heading into the NBA, but at least you can put that to the side for just a moment. You also, I, I asked him about the motor issues that he was reportedly supposed to have heading to the next level. That was college basketball for him heading out of high school. And he mentioned that he never saw too much in that area, that that he didn't have any problems with Bull Bull's motor. But he did bring up an interesting point. We are dealing with such a small sample size that it's really tough because the games that Bull Bull did play in college, just a couple of them were against teams that were good enough to go to the NCAA tournament. He played against Iowa, and he played against Syracuse. He mentioned that Syracuse would be the tape, that would be the film that you would want to go watch if you wanted just the full Full bowl bowl experience, the number one game that he played, what the, the things that he can actually showcase against a really good basketball team, or at least a good enough team to make the NCAA tournament. The Syracuse game is the one that he pointed to. If we were to watch just one game, go watch that one. But when we talked about some of the motor issues that he had, he wondered what bowl bowl would be like if they got through that Pac-12 conference schedule where you're playing on Thursday and Saturday, where you're playing games that are a little bit closer together. In the NBA, of course, you're going to have the back-to-backs. It's a long, grueling 82-game season. And Steve did wonder aloud to me on air, he did mention that maybe that would be something that is a little bit of a different story. But anytime that he's watched him play, he said he checked him out at the Nike Hoop Summit before he actually came to Oregon. He actually checked him out in practices. This will be a good idea, he said, for me to get a little bit more information on the type of guy Bull Bull is, not just in games, but just practicing behind the scenes. He said he didn't notice anything there, that he was working pretty hard, but he did question, he did wonder aloud, 
whether once you got into the meat of the conference schedule and into the March Madness and down the line, whether that would be something that might set in a little bit for him. And so that at least was a pretty good thing he had to say about those rumors about Bull Bull. A couple of other things I asked just what was Dana Altman's evaluation on him? And I think it wasn't basketball related. He just said Altman mentioned about Bull Bull, a guy that was it was the first time that they knew they were getting somebody that was going to be one and done. They had Troy Brown just a year ago where they he was somebody that just played the one year with the Oregon Ducks and then moved on to the NBA. But he was a guy that could have stayed another year. It wasn't a foregone conclusion that he was going to play one year and then go to the NBA draft. Bull Bull was the first guy that Dana Altman recruited at Oregon that they understood this is going to be a one-year rental thing and then you're going to move on. Thanks. We appreciate you. We appreciate you and good luck in your future endeavors. Problem is only nine games. And so that was unfortunate for all the parties involved. He did say, though, that maybe he expected him to go to a different facility and start trying to rehab and work out, not really spend all that much time next to the team and uh, with the team when they were playing in Eugene. And that certainly was not the case, that he said Bull Bull stuck around with his team, that he you know, made sure that he spent a lot of time with them, and he would go to all the games still and still be there with all of his teammates. And so that was something I think Dana said was really good about him. A couple of other things, you know, Steve thinks that the shot blocking will translate, that you have to worry about the 208 pounds that he has on that 7-2 frame. I asked him if he ever noticed any real issue of getting pushed around a lot in the post and you guys can make your own assumption of and more of your own evaluation of maybe what you see in some of the film that maybe you guys watch and some of the highlights he said he didn't see a, a ton where he's just getting pushed around constantly again it's going up against competition that he mentioned would be guys like about six eight six nine going against a lot of mid-major schools so there's not the big freaks that a lot of these other college programs have as well. The, a lot of these other D1 programs have that are guys that are, you know, 6'10", maybe closer to 6'11", where you will find those a little bit more among the prominent D1 programs. And so uh, he didn't maybe notice a ton of guys pushing Bull Bull around. But again, it was because of the lack of competition, possibly, or at least we have to account for that. And so it, it's just anytime you try to evaluate this guy, it just goes back to the little sample size that we have on him. And the games that he played in D1, it's just really tough because the, the games that he did play, it was against teams like Texas Southern, Green Bay, Houston, which I guess Houston is a, a good team to go against, but they don't have the size to go up against a bowl bowl. Omaha, San Diego, Eastern Washington, and Portland State were the first two games that he played of his collegiate career. You know, and he was out by December 12th. That was the last game that he played against San Diego. And so the only two teams, as I mentioned, that were NCAA tournament teams, it was Syracuse, it was Iowa, and then I, I guess I did forget that he did play against the Houston Cougars, who were a very good basketball team last season. And so that was it, though. Like, that's the only big competition that he ever faced. And the tallest guy on Houston's team that got any real run, it's about 6'8", and that uh, they ran small. He's one of the toughest prospects to evaluate because we do have the small sample size. And also, you know the ceiling is there. We know on one end of the spectrum, the guy could be amazing because they just don't make him like that a whole lot. And when they do, they could falter, or they could be a Joel Embiid, or they could be Kristaps Porzingis. They could be a guy at 7'2", who is a very hard player to stop. Or... 
he could be somebody that's injury ridden, never learns how to play defense, which he certainly doesn't know how to play defense right now, gets killed in pick and roll, and maybe he's just never able to be coached. You know, we kind of went through this with Noah Vonley already. Noah Vonley had a lot of the ability. Dude just couldn't get right a whole lot. So they gave up on him pretty early. And Noah Vonley, you know, has created a, a career out of what he's able to do, but it's not anybody that we're pissed off that we missed out on here in Charlotte. I mean, he's not doing great things for other teams right now. He's fine for the New York Knicks. There were some times where he's actually doing some good things, but you get the point here. I mean, we've already been through this. You don't want to go through this again. So he's really polarizing. We'll see exactly what the Charlotte Hornets do, decide to do at 12, but I do want to appreciate Steve Mims' time. Sorry I couldn't play it today. Trust me, I'm more angry about it than you guys are. Hopefully, you guys can understand. Before we take a break, let me tell you about Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, and relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work on the weekend or just anywhere else around. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA, to get 20% off of your order. That's remarkable. Untuckit.com, promo code NBA, to get 20% off. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with some guys that worked out for the Charlotte Hornets today and also just some things that I noticed about James Borrego and some career highs that players set. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. <laughs> now, here's the funny part. I was listening to this to prep it for the show, and um, my wife walks in and was like, what? Are you yeah. listening right, okay. to? That's a little scary cool. if, if you don't have the context. If you walk in and you start hearing that, yeah. that's Darth Vader. I didn't have pants on. That didn't help <laughs> yeah, either. No, that's... Um, it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. again for joining us it's the locked on hornets podcast locked on podcast network we're coming to you live from the essex home studios thanks to 7 30 the game but always want to give a quick shout out to the gettimer.com studios in uptown charlotte if you're in sales and need help visit gettimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do and that's make more sales so the charlotte hornets hosted a pre-draft workout today quite a few players going over to the spectrum center and practicing for the charlotte hornets so you got some local guys and you got some guys just from across the country. It goes Elijah Thomas, a forward out of Clemson. Frankie Ferrari. God almighty, I hope that guy plays for us. Somehow, I want the name. Guard out of San Francisco. Garrison Matthews, a guard out of Lipscomb. Charlie Brown. <laughs> Didn't even know. Charlie Brown and Frankie Ferrari working out for the Hornets today. He's a forward for St. Joseph. John Davis, who if you're familiar and live in the area, he is a guard out of the Charlotte 49ers basketball program getting coached by Ron Sanchez this just this uh, past season. So John Davis, that'd be cool to see him maybe make the summer league roster or something like that. Markel Johnson, guard out of NC State, liked his game, watching him in the ACC, a really fun player to watch. And Malik Yarborough, a guard out of Illinois State. Not the last one. The last one that we should mention is a guy that actually will be in consideration with that number 12 pick. It is Brandon Clark. 
It is the forward out of Gonzaga. And I don't want to become locked on Brandon Clark. We've talked about him a lot. He's been in the news for the Charlotte Hornets a lot. I mean, he was at the Combine, and a lot of people were talking about him because it was somebody that put up some pretty polarizing numbers. His athleticism tested off of the charts. But his length wasn't great. His body wasn't great. Can't really shoot. A little too old. But you put on the tape, he was phenomenal. Great college basketball player. And also, he did test off the charts athletically. You know, had a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. Did well in some of the lateral speed tests that he had. Very good agility. Is a guy that does fit today's mold. The NBA going a little bit smaller. He can defend a lot of different positions. And so that that's the reason why I like Brandon Clark. But we've talked about that a lot. It's just interesting to me that here's a guy that could be in play for the Charlotte Hornets. It's just, he's one of the more intriguing guys. He and Manute Bowl are guys that are pretty damn polarizing. And so you know, they, Rick Bennell, Rod Boone, both did a really good job of covering the Charlotte Hornets pre-draft workouts today. They posted a few videos of Brandon Clark shooting. You know, His shot is out in front. And he doesn't bring that thing in a whole lot. He does start from really under his chest almost. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the prettiest shot. I don't think it's the ugliest. You can go back to his days at San Jose State right before he transferred to Gonzaga. Ugly shot, man. I mean, Mike Schmitz, I remember just looking up some things about him last week. Mike Schmitz put a couple videos out of Brandon Clark shooting in his days at San Jose State. He brings that all the way to the right. He brought the basketball all the way to the right, had a hitch, kind of shot on the right side of his body. So he brought it in the middle a lot better, but he shoots it out in front. It doesn't look great. He did hit majority of the shots that both Rick Bennell and Rod Boone put out there. So, I mean, at least we did get to see him hit a lot of those shots. And it's not I mean, its not as ugly as I've seen before. You know, so if, if, if you can improve from San Jose... To this point where he is now, he's come a long way. And I can see him continuing to improve. So Brandon Clark is a guy I'm in on. You guys know this already. But the shot is interesting. Another thing that is interesting, just in maybe how a Brandon Clark might fit with the Charlotte Hornets. I think you know the Hornets need defensive interior play down low. They need somebody that's able to block shots, which Brandon Clark was a phenomenal player at blocking shots last season. They need somebody that's nasty. Brandon Clark's nasty. They need a playmaker on the offensive end. Just throw it up. He can dunk it. And he's got a very good touch. He shot pretty well within, you know, the, the short to mid-range game. He's got a nice, he's got nice touch. And so Brandon Clark, somebody that maybe fits well with this team because Borrego has mentioned they need shot blocking. They need an interior presence. They need somebody that can play center. And I think Brandon Clark can be that small ball center. And you can play him in a lot of different scenarios. I, I, I believe in him. But also when you look at James Borrego, just something I thought was interesting. A lot of guys posted a career high in one specific area, and that was three-point shooting. So when you look at all of these guys that set a career high in three-point shooting, it was Kimba who took 130 more threes than he ever has in his career. Jeremy Lamb took 76 more threes than he ever had in his career. Marvin set a career high with four more than he shot three years ago, but that was with five more games played. Five or three years ago. So he had a better average this season. Cody Zeller took just 12 more. MKG took 38 more. We've been there and visited that. And Billy took 24 more threes. So how about six guys on this basketball team setting a career high in three-point attempts on one season? So considering everybody who played at least 40 games, without including the second-year players or the rookies, which gives us four players to leave off that list, Dwayne Bacon, 
Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges. Leave those four guys out that played 40 games and we're not going to consider a career high for a second-year player. We're just not going to do that right now. Every player but Nick Batum, Bismack Biombo, and Tony Parker took a career high in three-point shots this season. When we give those stipulations, Nick Batum, Bismack Biombo, Tony Parker, the only guys with those stipulations that did not set a career high, which means everyone but a guy who had the lowest usage percentage in forever and had the lowest amount of shots taken from the field since his early days in Portland, and a 36-year-old point guard who's set in his ways and will probably retire anyway. Oh, and Bismack Biombo. Those are the three guys that did not take a career-high three-point shots taken on a season. And I think when you look at guys that the Hornets might look to be taking in, you know, you can either look at that as Borrego wants shooters, or you can take that as Borrego lets these guys shoot a little bit more and they develop as shooters. You know, we've been through the MKG thing. Steve Clifford did not want Michael Kidd Gilchrist to shoot. And you might look at that and think, well, yeah, the guy sucks at shooting. He's not good at it. Of course you don't want him to shoot. But we've talked about how important it is to at least hit a couple every now and then when you're wide open. Just let it fly. And so MKG took 38 more. We talked about how the percentage wasn't all that bad. I think it was like 34. Okay. Cool. I'll live with that. You can look at a guy like Billy Hernan Gomez took 24 more. Worked really hard on his shot this offseason. Actually, somebody that shot, even though there wasn't a ton of attempts from him, shot about 38, 39%. Cody Zeller took 12 more. At least at least he took some when he was wide open. You know, it's not a part of the game plan. But Borrego allows his guys to shoot if they've got the open shot. And so I think that's what you're looking at with Brandon Clark. And I think Brandon Clark has the ability to knock down a couple. He shot 25% from Gonzaga. Not good. I get it. But maybe I can believe in a developed shot from him. And I just think he's going to be elite defensively, man. Like I understand that some of us want to take a huge swing on a guy that could be the next Donovan Mitchell. You know, we missed out on him a couple of years ago. We want that guy to fall back in our laps. But I'll tell you this. If you give me somebody that has the Draymond Green type of defensive ability, which I do think he has that type of ability, somebody that's older, coming out of college, like a Draymond Green was, coming out of Michigan State, somebody that's already smart, immediately heading in, with a lot of position versatility. A little bit taller than Draymond Green, by the way, who we see play down low. We see him as a power forward. Like, I don't see Brandon Clark and think undersized a whole lot. Like, he's 6'8 and a quarter. No, we see power forwards be 6'8. I, yeah, I guess you could want him to be 6'9, 6'10, but we see power forwards a decent amount come in at 6'8. It's the wingspan that worries you a little bit more. And I get that. It's the shooting and it's the wingspan. But I just think defensively, the guy can be all NBA elite defensively and offensively. He can make a lot of plays for you. Like even let's go back to a guy like Draymond. Draymond is going to be he's, he's a way better passer than Brandon Clark was coming out of college. And, and so there's probably some playmaking ability that Draymond provides for others. You know, Draymond is not a good three point shooter, but he has the ability at least to step out. Like I'm hoping Brandon Clark can be a guy that maybe can hit one or two. You know, I, I'm, I'm maybe can can you trust him to do that? Like, I, I, I'll i take that guy at 12. I'll take that guy and be very happy about it. But he's the one that's being most discussed right now. I don't want to be locked on Brandon Clark. I apologize. You guys know that I like him. It's just he's really in the news a whole lot right now. He's working out with the Hornets. You know, he is polarizing. It's a guy that we don't know whether we like the athleticism enough to overlook the shooting or if we hate the shooting enough to where we're not going to consider the athleticism. 
you know, what do you do here? And I've had a couple people tweet at me. I know Panthers Mafia, friend of the show, always appreciate the listens. You know, he says, I'm out on Brandon Clark. And I get you. There's some red flags. And I wouldn't mind if they, if, like, if it came down between Jackson Hayes and Brandon Clark. Hell, I'll go Jackson Hayes. That's fine, man. I like Jackson Hayes. You know, Bull Bull is a little bit more concerning for me than he's another project. But I could understand the tantalizing ability from him. I could, I could get on that. Jackson Hayes is the one, though. Like, I know that's Doug's boy. Jackson's his dude. And I could see maybe going with him. It's just now there, there's your workouts, right? Like Brandon Clark, he worked out for the Charlotte Hornets, so we're going to talk about him, as well as there is Bull Bull. Just a little bit of an evaluation for him. A lot of evaluation for a lot of these guys we're talking about here today. We appreciate you joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast, getting you ready for draft season. Have you heard about Grip 6? Their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. Grip 6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock. That's grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E. Remember the E there. Grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E. They've got a special offer for you. Make sure you go check out grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. We appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll be back after the break. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the guy? they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night. They didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. time we do appreciate you joining us once again here on the lockdown hornets podcast again going through some draft profiles today was bowl bowl it was steve mims somewhat in spirit it was steve mims through me it was walker mail and steve mims today i do apologize not having that interview for you i did not want to reach out back to him once again and have him say the same exact stuff about bowl bowl but we did talk a little bit about what he did say in the first segment so hopefully that is you know somewhat useful information on what we can take away and head forward here during the NBA draft process. We'll try to get some other draft profiles and actually play you those interviews next time. P.J. Washington is a guy I know that has been mocked to the Charlotte Hornets before. I want to watch some stuff on him, and also we'll try to get some guys to maybe be able to discuss uh, how they think P.J. Washington will translate to the NBA. Also, Pete, not only P.J. Washington, but we haven't gotten to Nas Little and Kobe White, who maybe Nas Little will fall to the Charlotte Hornets. I could see him getting selected 12th overall. Kobe White, not a chance. Guys shot up very much so since even March Madness ended. And that was somebody that maybe at that time we could see him falling to the Hornets. But now it doesn't seem like there's any way. Jay Billis had him as the top five. It seems like a lot of other guys really like what Kobe White's able to do. So it doesn't seem he's going to be available. But still want to bring you some of those draft profiles and a couple of other guys that we haven't talked about yet that uh, hopefully we can play for you later on this week. And right before we're able to get 
to the NBA draft, and that should be in late June, something like June 24th, and we'll be able to get you caught up on all those draft profiles. Plus, we got some NBA player hater comps that I want to get to. I want to. I don't know if I want to wait for Friday until Nada's able to do a show with us, or if I just want to get done with it earlier this week. And it's not that I want to get done with it. It's one of the best things that we do. So we've got some more draft profiles coming up this week. We might give you the NBA player hater comps. It was something I had a lot of fun with last year. So stick around with us here this week. Hopefully we'll get to it. It is the Locked on Hornets podcast. You can find us on Twitter and most social media platforms at Locked on Hornets. I myself am on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug Branson will join me again tomorrow. So long and everybody. Thanks for joining us once again on the Locked on Podcast Network.